Let's dive right back in here into our tongues. We have been uh, battling with our mouth, battling. I, I don't know if you this week have had a battle with your tongue. I would guess you probably have. I think that we all do. We've been looking at the diseases of the tongue. If you remember from the last two weeks, we have seen that death and life are in the power of the tongue and our direction, where we are going, where we are going to get to is going to be dictated by what is coming out of our mouth. If you remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God's trying to get our hearts. If he gets our hearts, he will get our mouths. And God is a God who responds to words. He created by words. He hears our words. He listens to our words. He responds to our words. From my first, from part one of this disease of the tongue, if you remember, God said, in my hearing of what you said, that is what I will do. God said, from what I heard you say, that's what you're going to get. So we've got to get a hold of our tongues. Amen? Now, I know it's early, but wake up. All right? We need to hear God's word. Let me pray again. How about that? Father, in Jesus' name, open our ears to hear your word this morning, that, Lord, we might be impacted by you and that that the work of Satan and the work of the world would be broken in this hour, Lord, that we would hear your ways, for your ways are the right ways. And no matter what kind of programming we might have received up until now, I ask in Jesus' name, you break that programming and that we come under the authority and the uh, desire of your kingdom and your power and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to go anyway. Diseases of the tongue. Number one, excessive talking. If you remember, it says where there are a lot of words, sin is not far off. Meaning, the more we talk, the more trouble we'll get ourselves into. Too many words is the mark of a fool. Disease number two, real quickly, idle or careless words. If we say more than we mean, then the exaggeration in our speech comes from the evil one. Remember, if you don't mean it, don't say it. Number three, did I miss one? Number three is actually gossip. And I believe I have missed it. You're going to get to the next one. I already told you last week anyway. I did. I missed it. I'll get get it right for second service. Number three is gossip. Telling tales. It tells us that in scripture that Satan's name means slanderer. And that if we are telling gossip, we are actually doing the work of Satan. It also says don't just not listen. Don't just don't gossip, but don't receive gossip. We're not to receive the slanderer, that it's like choice morsels that want to go down deep into our soul. When we hear gossip, we are to cut it off. Don't listen to it. Turn it back the other way. Stop the talk. We're not only not to say it, we're not to listen to it. Amen? Next, this is today. Oops. Well, there it is. Let's go in opposite order. Y'all just bear with me. I'm going to go back and shoot. All right, I'm going to leave it there for a minute. Disease number four, lying. We need to be sure that we use the correct word to describe this disease of the tongue. 
when we make a story bigger than it really is, is that exaggeration or is it lying? It's lying. It's not the truth. Not trying to be critical of others, but it's important that every one of us be careful that we are not found guilty of lying. Proverbs 16 tells us six tells us seven things that the Lord hates. Now I have said this over and over and I'm going to say it again. When scripture says the Lord hates this, somebody pay attention. It's not just so that we can know what he hates, it's so that we can look at our lives and say, "Am I doing that?" Because if I'm doing that, God hates it. Okay, this is not just informational purposes this is for application purposes okay so there are six things the lord hates seven that are detestable to him haughty eyes a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked schemes feet that are quick to rush into evil a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict within the community Of those seven things that we just read that the Lord hates, there are three that are directly connected to the tongue. God hates, number one, a lying tongue. If you have a problem with lying, I want you to know God hates it. He hates it. And he will equip you, and it is his desire to help rescue you from that disease of lying. Amen? What is the deal with y'all today? Okay. It makes me feel like that you don't agree. Thank you. But, but when I say amen, that's a place for you to respond and say, I agree. Do you agree that God hates a liar? All right, good. There we go. Number two, a false witness. Again, Is that another way to say that is a liar, right? A false witness, thank you. Obviously, it affects the tongue. Number three, a man who stirs up dissension. A man who stirs up dissension among brothers. You know how that's normally done? By words, out of your mouth. And out of the seven things the Lord hates, there are three that affect the tongue. and, And of those three, Two are specifically connected to lying. A lying tongue and a false witness. God hates it. Proverbs 12, says this. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Now, we've got two sets of opposites here. We got detests and delights. Um, just as the negative is important, we also need to know what the positive is. When God says he likes something, hey, turn me down just a little bit. I feel a little, uh, little on the hot side. Um, detest, we need to also recognize what God loves. One thing I think that we could all recognize is God says, if you love me. Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. So does Jesus love obedience? Yes. He also says, if you love me, feed my sheep. Take care of those around you. Meet those needs. Jesus came to meet needs. Everyone he came around, he met their need, whether it was a food need, whether it was a healing need, whether it was a salvation need, he met the need. Right? 
Jesus meets needs. We as Christians are to meet the world's needs. That's how Jesus reached the people. Why do you think everybody showed up? Because Jesus met needs. Jesus met their need for their soul. He met their need for their belly. He met their need for their life. Jesus meets needs. Okay, so delight and detests. The Lord detests lying lips, and he delights in men who are truthful. There's no in-between. The word lying and the word truthful. If it's not truthful, it's a lie. If it's a lie, God detests it. If it's truthful, the Lord delights in it. Even if it hurts. Even if the truth hurts, God delights in it. How many of you have ever had to tell the truth and it hurt? It hurts. But how many of you know that hurt doesn't last long? It's always replaced with rescuing. Always. We see it with our children. We try to teach our children, if you will tell us the truth, most of the time, you won't get in trouble. There's something about the breaking of the will to be able to say, I did this wrong, and this is the truth. And what happens? All that wrath just gets melted down into mercy. You told me the truth? Okay. Let's, let's worry about restoring you, not tearing you down. We have too many gray areas in our thinking. Are those gray areas found in Scripture? I want you to know if if it were to get traced back to the source, it would be Satan himself. Gray is a way to compromise. Gray is a way to justify what you think is okay, but you know it's not. Speaking to the religious leaders of his day, and let me tell you, they were very religious. Look what it says in John chapter 8. It says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Every time a lie passes over our lips, it comes from Satan. One more very important frightening fact is about this disease about lying, that unless we get a hold of it, unless it is arrested and healed, it is fatal. Now, don't check out on me now. Listen to this. It says, but cowardly, in Revelation 21, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts and idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Notice the groups of people that we're talking about here. The unbelieving, the cowardly, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, idolaters, and all liars. All liars. That disease is incurable. There is no way out. It says that they will be placed in a fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Once a person is consigned or give over to the control of another, to that is the second death. That is ultimate. Unless this disease is gotten a hold of, it leads 
to death. We see in Scripture that sin leads to death. Jesus has come to give us the rescuing answer to our sin. It is the blood of Jesus. It is through repentance. That is, that is the correct response of a Christian, is to repent. It's not that you're not going to sin. You're going to mess up. You're going to fall down. You're going to make mistakes. But Jesus has given us the way out, and that way out is him. The only way out is him. I believe that a true Christian, do you believe that if you've truly received Christ, if you continue on sinning without repentance, did you really receive Christ? It's saying here, if you can't get a hold of your sin, if you do not know the right way out, your way is death. The answer is repentance. I have never stood in the pulpit and preached a hell, fire, and damnation message, but let me tell you, sin will lead you to hell, and it is not going to be good. The answer to not going to hell is repentance and Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the cross and receiving him and walking according to what he says. That's the answer. There is no other answer. It's not how good you are. It's not how good you can be. It's not what kind of upstanding person you can be in your life or in your marriage. It is about Jesus and about you turning your heart to him. There's no other way. Amen. Thank you. That's a hard, you know what? It's a hard message, but it's not. It is absolute ABC. It is very basic. It is humbling it is humiliating, it is dying to yourself, but it is very doable. And it is the way to a happy, joy-filled, prosperous life. Repentance. Hmm. Okay. Revelation twenty-two fifteen. I'm almost done with this one. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. We've got to determine, am I willing to be healed of this disease of lying, or am I prepared to lose my soul forever? All right, disease number five. It is flattery. I'm sorry, I'm going to go back. We have such a problem in our, in, our, in our society of liars. I want you to know there is freedom. There is freedom. It is Jesus Christ. Do not, let's not move off from this one on lying too quickly. I'm going to move on to flattery. But I want you to know, if you have a problem with lying, Jesus Christ can deliver you from that. And I want you to know there are lots that do. Lots of Christians that do. Lots of non-Christians that do that you just cannot keep from saying things out of your mouth that are untrue. Okay, flattery. Psalm chapter 12. Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who, have loyal, those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their heart. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. In Scripture, David is talking about how his society is in moral decline. Is that where we are today? Absolutely. Godly men are difficult to find. The faithful have vanished. What's the result? 
Everyone lies to their neighbor. Their flattering lips speak deception, speak with deception. And a judgment of God here is pronounced in Scripture upon these flattering lips. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. May the Lord, uh, another way that this is put, is may the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. Proverbs 26, verse 28 says, A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. If we listen to and receive flattery, or if we become flatterers, the end is ruin. Proverbs 29 says, whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. There are people who will speak with flattering words, but they are not sincere. There's another motive behind it, and it's easy to get caught in the net of flattery. It's natural to desire it. It feels good. Flattery feels good. What is that? It is a net trying to rope you in. And we are attracted to people who flatter us. Why? Because we don't know who we are. And we want to hear it from anyone that will say it to us. We don't know who we are. We are a nation that lacks self-esteem. We are a nation that lacks godly self-esteem. We have forgot how great we are in God's eyes. And we will be willing to listen to flattery. And what happens is we get caught in the net. It's a natural desire. It's, an, it's natural to desire it. It feels good. And you know what happens when we, when we get in the net of flattery? We, we accept relationships that we shouldn't be in. We, we, we get ourselves into things that we shouldn't be into. We say yes to things we should say no to. Because the flattery feels good. It's where uh, affairs start. Is what we're not hearing from our spouse, we hear from someone else and we are encouraged by it. We are drawn into it and it's a net that will lead to death. My wife has said before uh, from, a, from a well-known quote, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is green where it's watered, where it's cared for where it's cultivated, where it's fertilized. That's where the grass is green. It may look greener on the other side, but it's not. It's not. A flattering mouth works ruin, and whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. And finally, disease number six. Hastiness of speech. Proverbs 29, verse 20. It says, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. If we're hasty in our words, our condition is worse than that of a fool. Let me tell you, Scripture does not have a lot of good things to say about a fool. There's one example in Scripture where a man is, uses hasty words just once, and it cost him 
a huge price. And that man was Moses. He was told by God, by God to go ahead of the children of Israel and to speak to a rock. If you remember earlier in his career, he took his staff and he hit the rock and the rock poured forth water. This time God said, I want you to speak to the rock. But Moses got angry. And look what he said to, look what he said to the children of uh, Israel in Numbers chapter 20. He says, you rebels, we, must we bring water out of this rock? He had gotten frustrated. I can't imagine uh, seeing the miracles that Moses had seen with these people. And these people kept getting upset and not being happy and fussing at every turn. And Moses finally just lost it. And he got hasty. And he moved quickly. Instead of speaking to the rock, instead of speaking to the rock, it says that he smote it or he struck it. And this act of disobedience or this hasty, in hasty words, cost him the privilege of going into the promised land. Moses could see it. He could see it. He was there, but he wasn't able to go in because he was hasty. How many times because of our impatience, because of things that we shouldn't have said, because of things that we did out of anger has kept us from what we were supposed to get? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me with the promised land in sight. Psalm 106 verse 32 says this. It says, They, the children of Israel, angered Moses also at the waters of strife so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes because they provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. They provoked his spirit. How many times have you been provoked and you said the wrong thing? Again, it is where we have got to deal with our heart. Church, I am for, I am for your future being great. I am for you finding the plan of God and you walking in it, in it. But in order to walk in it, you have got to get control of your tongue. The only way you can control your tongue is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way you can control your tongue is by allowing the Word of God to be your primary source in your heart, not the world. That when you have to draw down deep for the reserves, when someone provokes you, that that reserve comes out and not your flesh. Man, does that take an act of God or what? But I want you to know, by Christ dying on the cross for your sins, the power of sin is broken. The power of sin is broken in your life. It does not have the power to overtake you anymore. The only way it can overtake you is if you allow it. Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate price to be able to slam that door on sin in your life. Do you have a problem overreacting when your spirit is provoked? Do you have a problem with lying? Do you have a problem with speaking incorrectly, with careless words, with excessive talking? I want you to know that the power of Christ can help you overtake that. And that you can start speaking according to his word and your path will be good. Doesn't mean you still won't face trials, but when you face those trials, the right thing is going to come out of your mouth faith is going to come out of your mouth. God is going to be engaged because he's looking over his word, waiting to perform it in your life, and he's going to be our salvation. But we've got to get a hold of our mouth. Amen? Amen. Can we agree together for the Lord to move in our mouth, for the Lord to move in our heart? 
Church, we need to make a declaration. We need to, we need to decide to do something and do it. We need to, if we're in that pig pen, we need to say, I'm going to get up and return to my father, and then we need to return. Will anybody return? Y'all stand up with me. Father, I thank you that you are giving us, you are trying your best to rescue us. You have paid every price. You have made every provision. But Lord, we get provoked in our spirit and we go stupid and we miss it. Moses, Moses who saw you, who spent time with you, whose face glowed from your presence. Lord, he even struggled with being hasty. How much more do we need your help? But Moses did not have Jesus. He was not under the new covenant. Lord, we have been given the provision of Jesus Christ, that perfect lamb, that blood that was shed, that no longer does blood of bulls and goats have to be shed anymore. I thank you, Jesus, that you have broken every power of sin and that we have that opportunity to walk in. Lord, this morning, I just pray and I ask that we would declare that we are going to turn from our flesh, that we are going to turn from the world, and we are going to repent for our mouths, for our heart, and we are going to return to your word, return to your presence. We're going to return our heart to you. Would you make that decision this morning, church? Would you make that decision, church? No one can make that decision for you. You've got to make it. Maybe it's a first-time decision for you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Right where you sit, make that decision. Maybe it's a time that you have fallen away from the Lord. And let me tell you, we have all done it. Return. Return. The Father is standing, looking for you, waiting for you to come back. Would you come back? just want to open the altar. Those that are ministering with me, come on down. I just want to open the altar. And if you need prayer for any reason, if you want to just get on your knees on this altar and repent and come clean, let's do that now. Whatever prayer needs that you have, I just open the altar right now. Return in Jesus' name. Amen.